Clearshore presents Organizational Debt is Like Technical Debt, But Worse by Steve Blank May 19, 2015 at steveblank.com Startups focus on speed since they are burning cash every day as they search for product market fit. But over time, code and hardware written or built to validate hypotheses and find early customers can become unwieldy, difficult to maintain, and incapable of scaling. These shortcuts add up and become what is called technical debt, and the size of the problem increases with the success of the company. You fix technical debt by refactoring, going into the existing code and cleaning it up by restructuring it. This work adds no features visible to the user, but makes the code stable and understandable. While technical debt is an understood problem, it turns out startups also accrue another kind of debt, one that can kill the company even quicker. Organizational debt. Organizational debt is all the people and culture compromises made to just get it done in the early stages of a startup. Just when things should be going great, organizational debt can turn a growing company into a chaotic nightmare. Growing companies need to understand how to reorganize and refactor organizational debt. I had lunch last week with Tom the CEO of a startup that was quickly becoming a large company. Last year's revenue was $40 million. This year, likely to be $80 million, maybe even $100 million in ad revenue. They had reinvented a traditional print media category into web and mobile devices for a new generation of users who were no longer buying magazines, but reading online. Their content was topical, targeted, and refreshed daily. Equally important, their VP of marketing had brilliantly executed a stream of social media campaigns, Facebook likes and partnerships, email campaigns, etc., to drive traffic to their site, which they then turned into ad revenue. Tom was excited about their next big round of funding that valued them at almost half a billion dollars. He talked about how they were trying to maintain their exponential growth and told me how many people they were adding, and the issues of scaling that rapidly. They had doubled headcount from 100 to 200 in the last year, and were planning to double again. While he kept bringing the conversation back to their big valuation, I tried to steer the conversation back to how they were going to deal with training the influx of new hires, in both culture and job-specific tasks, and retaining their existing hires who were working for intern-like salaries with little equity. His answer centered on the great location of the new building, what great furniture they were getting, and all the compensation plans for the key members of the executive staff. This didn't feel good. They've never run a company. Since the meeting had been a courtesy to Philippe, one of their VC board members, I grabbed coffee and asked him what scaling challenges he saw for the company. I was taken aback when I got a reply that sounded like VC buzzword bingo. Phrases like, they're a platform, not a product, and the ever-popular, they're a potential unicorn. While the strategy sounded like a great long-term plan, I poked a bit and asked, 
So what's the training and onboarding plan for the new hires? What are you doing about the pay scales at the bottom of the organization? Aren't you concerned about losing qualified people that the company spent the last few years training but never compensated adequately? I got answers that sounded like Tom's. New stock grants for the executive staff, great new building, and oh, by the way, Tom and his co-founder got to sell some stock in the new round. And let me tell you about the vision and strategy again. As Philippe kept talking, I listened, but not really, because I started realizing that while he was a genius in finding and nurturing great early-stage deals and had a vision that sounded great for the new investors, he didn't have a clue how to actually scale a company. He had never run one, and worse, had never been on a board of a startup making the transition from searching for a business model and product market fit to the next phase of building the infrastructure to support scale. Unless they were planning to flip this company, organizational debt was going to hit faster than they could imagine. They needed a plan to refactor organizational debt, and Tom wasn't going to get it from his board. Focus on bottom-up as well as top-down. While the company had a great plan for keeping the top executives and had all the startup perks like free food and dogs at work, they had spent little time thinking about the organizational debt accruing with the first 100 employees who had built the company underneath them. These were the employees that had the institutional knowledge and hard-earned skills. Originally, they had been attracted by the lure of being part of a new media company that was disrupting the old. They were working for low salaries with minimal stock. And while that had been enough to keep their heads down and focused on their jobs, the new funding round and onslaught of new employees at much higher salaries had them looking around and updating their resumes. Surprisingly, given the tidal wave of new hires, formal training and job descriptions were still stuck in the early stage, were too small to need that mindset. The reality was that with hundreds of new employees coming on board, the company desperately needed a formal onboarding process for new employees. First, to get them assimilated to the company culture, and second, a formal process to train them in how to do their specific jobs. Unfortunately, the people who could best train them were the underpaid employees who were now out looking for new jobs. Organizational debt was coming due. Refactoring Organizational Debt I had promised Tom, the CEO, we'd grab coffee again. When we did, I asked him about his head of HR and heard all about what great medical and insurance benefits, stock vesting, automated expense account forms, movie night, company picnics, etc., the company had. I offered that those were great for an early-stage company, but it was time to move to a new phase and perhaps a new head of HR. Since Tom was an engineer, I explained the organizational debt metaphor. He got it instantly, and before I could even suggest it, he asked, so how do I refactor organizational debt? I suggested that there were seven things he could do, some quickly, some over time. 1. Put together a simple plan of managing the next wave of hiring. Tell each hiring manager, no new hires until you write, update your own job description. Next, write your new hire job description. Next, write how you will train new hires in their functional job.
Next, write how their job fits into each level upward and downward and how it supports the mission of each level upward and downward. 2. Realize his expense plan is too low. I offered that it appeared he put together an expense budget using current employee salaries. If so, he was in danger of losing the people he most cared about keeping. He should stop thinking about 10% raises and start thinking about what he'd have to pay to replace employees who hold critical knowledge and train new ones. It felt to me more like 50% raises in quite a few cases. He needed to have his head of HR do a salary survey of existing employees in industry comparables, identify the employees they wanted to keep, and upgrade their salaries and equity ASAP. Some of the harder suggestions had to do with the organization as a whole. 3. He needed to consider refactoring some of the original hires and their roles. Some employees don't scale from search to this new phase of build. Some because they are performance problems or don't fit a bigger organization, attitude, etc. Some of these may be friends. Leaving them in the same role destroys a sense of what's acceptable performance among new employees. This is hard. 4. In addition to refactoring the people, it's time to relook at the company culture. Do the cultural values today take into account the new size and stage of the organization? What are the key elements that have made it great so far? Are they the same? Different? How? Why? It may be time to revisit what the company stands for. 5. Now that the company no longer fits in a conference room or even the cafeteria, it needs a way to disseminate information that grows with the organization. At times, this requires the same messages being repeated four to five times to make up for the fact the CEO isn't always delivering them personally. Emphasize in the corporate messaging that while it is a period of rapid change, the company culture will be an anchor that we can rely upon for orientation and stability. 6. Does customer communication need to change? In the past, any customer could talk to Tom or expected Tom to talk to them. Is that feasible? Desirable? 7. Finally, since this is new territory for Tom and board, create an advisory board of other CEOs who've been through the build stage from a startup to growing company. Lessons learned. Companies lucky enough to get to the build phase have a new set of challenges. They're not just about strategy, it's about fixing all the organizational debt that has been collected. Onboarding, training, culture, and compensation for employees at the build phase all require a fresh look and new approaches. And failing to refactor organizational debt can kill a growing company. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. We would like to hear from you, so please send your thoughts to comments at clearshore.us or visit us at clearshore.us. If you would like this show delivered to you automatically, you can subscribe to the Clearshore Podcasts on iTunes. Wishing you all the best until next time.